Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 8 is we're going to kick this thing off at. And the title of this morning's message is The Grinch. And Luke 2, 8 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those of whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went over with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God, praising him for all that they had seen and heard as it has been told to them. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this morning we would truly have a heart that grows three sizes today. Lord God, we would truly have a heart that grows today because we realize the great thing you have done for us just as the shepherds return, glorifying, praising God. I pray today that we leave here not with the ability to, because we have the ability to, with the revelation to, to go home and glorify and praise God for what we have seen and heard because it's just as you have told us that when two or more are gathered in your presence, Lord God, you are sure to show up and be in our midst. And we thank you where you're at, heaven takes place. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated this morning. And I love the movie The Grinch and so many times in our Christian walk, especially into, in today's society, we're struggling with the same crisis The Grinch was right there in this movie. And so many times today in the story of The Grinch, the major crisis was not Christmas, but the false meaning of Christmas and his perception of it. The false meaning of it and the perception that he had and how he perceived it, what it was and what it actually is. And it's not until all the perceptions that we have are broken off and taken away can God come in and true have a heart transformation in our life. See, many of us, we approach the Christmas and holiday season the same way the Grinch did. Not with joy, not with celebration, not with all the things because it really is to many of us is about boxes and bows and bags and everything else that, that Christmas has entangled it up with. But when our perceptions get destroyed, then transformation can then truly occur. Amen? See, many of us, we have perceptions of what things are or what they should be, and our perceptions keep us from seeing the truth of what God really meant it to be. And when we find out what God really meant it to be, our perceptions are destroyed and transformation can take place within. And so today, my prayer is that your heart truly does grow three sizes today, not because of a movie that you saw, but because truly this, perceptions of how things are are destroyed and truth of how things really mean them to be come in and you have transformation that take place in your heart this morning and many Christians are irritated at Christmas in today's society and I find it puzzling that we get irritated at a lost society and a society that does not acknowledge Christ why do we get mad at them when they're not supposed to if they're lost they're not supposed to acknowledge who Christ is 
Okay, And so my thing is, truly in my heart, that is, if I as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and I say I love him with all my heart and God used me to do anything, even take me around the world and even to the point of Jesus, I'm willing to die for you. If I'm irritated at a lost, ungodly society, maybe it's me that needs the heart transformation and not them. Maybe it's Joel whose heart needs to grow three sizes and have compassion for the lost because actually in the Christmas story, that's why Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so today my heart is not uh, for the people who are lost and not in the building. It's for the believers in the building who you may be irritated with Christmas because it's lost its meaning. Well, let's break the perceptions off so transformation can take place. Can I get an amen? And let's watch what God begins to do this morning. And so as we kick off this, if we're going to truly see our heart grow three sizes today, we must break off the perceptions and embrace transformation. And so I want to talk about just for a second, uh, nativity versus actuality. And our Americanized version of the Christmas story where we have this amazing nativity scene built and it's glamorized and glorified and all these other things. And Hallmark makes it look really good in their store. But it was actually probably anything but the hallmark setting. And so if we really begin to discuss it, let's talk about the time frame of December 25th just for a second. And we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. And if you didn't know that, it's about four days, five days away. And so you better get with it. And so Christmas, we celebrated on December 25th. But sorry, guys, Jesus was not born on December 25th. Actually, Jesus would have been born in the springtime. Amen. Heading into summer because he's God's son and that's God's time of year. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just, come on. And so he would have been born in the springtime more possibly than that. And the reason why Christmas adopted the date of December 25th for its celebration of the birth of Christ is not because they wanted to set a standard day and for the whole world to revolve around it. But in fact, there were already other three other major holidays that got celebrated that day. And because Christianity was in its infancy stage, they began to just celebrate it when the time was able to celebrate. And as other religions were celebrating their gods, Christianity began to celebrate the birth of Christ on that day and Christianity grew and began to overtake that holiday See the actual celebrations on that day was the Roman sun god the birth of the unconquered sun So the Romans kind of had it right, but it was the s-u-n they were talking about where we have the unconquered s-o-n Amen that we're celebrating also another major holiday that day was the birth of Mithras the Iranian son of righteousness That's s-u-n son of righteousness whose worship was very popular with the Roman soldiers. Well, they kind of had it right, too. We know the true son of righteousness. And also another holiday was the winter solstice that took place, where everything began to change seasonally and with the stars and in the sky. And so those three holidays all culminated around December 25th. So the Christians began to step in and celebrate the birth of the true son, Jesus Christ. And we know what happened from that point. Christianity began to go, grow and began to spread. And even through great persecutions throughout the years and through the medieval times and even through the, through the church growth and, and, and things that have taken place all the way up until now, Christmas is still celebrated. But once again, Christmas is at a crisis because the church world is expecting the lost and the ungodly to celebrate something they don't understand. See, we're called to celebrate it because we've experienced the anointing. We understand what we're celebrating I'm not mad at Starbucks for having a red cup. Bless that red cup. I had some good coffee out of it the other day. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm not mad at Starbucks for having a red cup and not putting Merry Christmas. I cannot expect a lost society to celebrate an anointing they haven't felt or understand. But it's my job as a believer to deliver the anointing of God. 
to a world that is lost so they can experience Merry Christmas, the anointed one, and his anointing and watch God do something amazing. Amen? And I've already spent five minutes longer on that point than I'm supposed to, so we're going to go on. The season that they were in, and the Bible says in Luke 2, 8, and they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in their field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And I'm sorry, guys, that shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night could not have been wintertime because shepherds didn't take their uh, sheep out to pasture in the middle of winter. It truly was this spring. And when they were watching over their sheep in the fields, or watching over their flocks in the fields at night, the shepherds that we glorify and we glamorize and they walk in clean cut, looking good with their staff in their hand, it was anything but. How many of y'all have ever worked on a dairy in your life? You know one day on a dairy you come home smelling like a barn. Come on, I, I've been there, I've done it. One day on a dairy you come home smelling like a barn. But think of not just two nights, not just three nights, but the shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flocks at night. They would do this two and three weeks at a time and they would sleep with the sheep for warmth at night and they would be there to tend and take care of their needs all the weeks that they were out there and so when the shepherds looked up in the sky and the angels had appeared to them and they went to Bethlehem I'm sure when they walked in to the place where Mary and Joseph were Mary and Joseph weren't jumping up and down saying yay shepherds came they're like oh Lord Jesus I just had a baby but you see what Hallmark presents and what the perception versus reality truly is it was anything but nativity it was actual actuality let's talk about the manger scene just for a second and it says she brought her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger and we have this great wooden Ephesus built that's like a, a, a part of a house that was very neat and tranquil in fact it would have been more like a cave hollowed out of a rock that he was stuck in and they put a feed trough in there for the baby to be laid in it wasn't this glamorized wooden structure that we have, that we see. In fact, it was more of a cave where animals had been laying and doing what animals do in caves. And so there was a stench in there. And this is where the king, the Christ child, was to be born. See, what nativity actually shows and what actuality is are two different things. And then let's talk about the wise men. We always show this great nativity scene of the wise men coming and presenting their gifts to the baby Jesus in the manger of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the actual truth of that is, is the Bible doesn't say they were at the manger scene at all. The Bible in Matthew 2.11 says, And when they came to the house, so Mary and Joseph were back home, or they had established a house in Bethlehem, one of the two, because they were still there, I don't know how long it took to count the whole Roman world. They had to stay there until they got counted. So they came upon to the place of the house, the Bible says. And then it says they saw the young child. And when you translate that into the Greek, it means little boy, not baby. So it talks about that. And then when you talk about it and you read about what uh, King Herod said, kill all the children two years and younger because he ascertained from the wise men what time the star had actually appeared. Most people believe that the wise men showed up at Jesus' house when he was a boy, when he was about two years old. And then as soon as the, the, the wise men left, they went home to their country by another route. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph again and said, get you, your wife, and your son, and get out of here and go to Egypt because Herod's about to kill all the babies two years old and younger. And so what we think of in our life as Christmas nativity, and we set it up every single year, and the actual actuality of it are two completely different things. It's night and day. 
Why do I say all this? I'm not trying to ruin your image of Christmas. But remember what I said. When perceptions get destroyed, then transformation can truly occur. When perceptions get destroyed of what we think Christmas should be like or what we think the Christ story is about, when perceptions of it that are false get destroyed, then transformation can truly occur in the hearts and lives of a believer. And my heart is not to give you a feel-good Christmas story that lines up with Hallmark. My heart is to give you transformation so your heart can grow three sizes today and that you'll leave here a different person. Amen? And let's watch what God begins to do. And so what is Christmas really all about? And I love this verse in Matthew chapter 2 verse 11. And it says, And going into the house they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their gifts, they offered him gifts of gold, gifts of frankincense, and gifts of myrrh. And the Grinch in the movie, he quoted this line. He said, Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe perhaps Christmas means just a little bit more. Maybe it doesn't come from a store. Maybe it means a little bit more. And for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to talk about these three gifts, the gifts of gold, the gifts of frankincense, and the gifts of myrrh that the, that the wise men or the kings brought to the house of Jesus. And the first gift is a gift of gold. And the gift of gold is a declaration gift. They were declaring when they brought gold to Jesus that, that he is the king that has been born because gold is reserved for royalty. And so in this, when they brought him this gift, this gives us a declaration gift. The gift of gold was often reserved for royalty. The majesty told King Herod that they had come to see the one born king of the Jews. It is clear that they recognized Jesus as being royal. And the question is why? How did they note Something was different about this day, this time, this singular birth that took place. The issue is the star in Bethlehem. The Magi had seen the star, and when they recognized the importance of the star as a sign in the sky from God of a spectacular birth, they went on a journey. And now, it's not known whether they brought gifts of gold, whether they were gold nuggets, whether they were gold coins, whether it was gold pieces of jewelry. We just know that they brought gold and laid it at the feet or the bed of baby Jesus or the child Jesus, I guess I should say. See, the nativity versus actuality is ingrained in me to the point where you even phrase it wrong in messages. But they brought it and they gave it to the family. They gave him gifts of gold, declaring who he was, that this is a king. And when the Magi brought it, it doesn't matter what form it was in, the importance of the gift is that it recognized the fact of Jesus being royal or kingly or noble. And I want to read to you a verse out of Proverbs, which is one of my favorite verses. It's Proverbs 18, 16. And it says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the presence of him who is great. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the presence of him who is great. See, many times we never get into the presence of him who is great, which is God Almighty, because what kind of gift are we offering to him? What kind of gift are we bringing him? What kind of gift am I bringing my Savior? And I'm not telling you to break out your checkbook and write the biggest check you've ever given. My, so, my heart truly is this, is what of your life is considered gold, the most precious thing in your life. And that is the gift you bring and you offer it to Jesus because my gift, my gift of gold within me, whether it be my calling, whether it be my heart, whether it be my abilities, whether it be my talents, what is the gold that is within me that I can bring and offer as a gift? Because a gift makes room for the giver and brings him into the presence of him who is great many times in a worship service we never enter the presence of him who is great for the simple fact we don't bring the gift 
we don't bring the gift. And listen, God doesn't just want what Joel has. God wants who Joel is. My, my, my monetary physical items isn't what he desires because when he has me, he has them. So what I want to ask you is what in your life right now is gold? And some of you guys are thinking, well, well, pastor, I really don't know. I hadn't thought about it. It's time you think about it. Because anything else that you offer is not fit for a king. Anything else you offer is not fit for our Savior. Anything else that you offer in your life that is not the gold of your life, the very best that you have, the very essence of who you are, it doesn't belong to anything else or anyone else except Jesus. And the wise men, the magi, the kings, they came in and they brought gifts of gold and they laid them before the family. See, the greatest thing the magi could bring, they brought. And in Jesus' time, that was a great gift. And I don't believe it was no small amount of gold. Because the Bible doesn't say there were three kings. It says there were three gifts. We stereotype it with three people, each one bringing gift. But listen, kings don't travel alone. Kings don't travel alone. Let me tell you this. Kings know how to travel. Kings actually have an entourage that goes before them and sets up the place where he's going to sleep. So when he wakes up the next morning and he begins to travel, his place is already set up the next night where he knows he's sleeping. So he gets to a destination and it's already set up. So the king wasn't traveling by himself on a camel carrying a bunch of gold across the desert to get to Jesus. The king brought his entourage with him. And let me tell you how much gold I think there really was. I'm not going to put a dollar amount on it, but he didn't just bring gold to give to Jesus as a gift. He brought enough to supply for him and his men on the journey to get him there on a two-year journey and then to get him home on a two-year journey. Don't tell me this was a dude on a camel. Don't tell me he was walking a donkey up to see Jesus. No, he, he was bringing something. In fact, the wise men were bringing such an entourage that when they walked into the city, all of Jerusalem freaked out. Go read your Bible. It's in there. It says all of Jerusalem was terrified. The king and the religious people who should have known they were coming. They all freaked out because of the amount of massiveness that walked into the city that day saying, where is the one who has been born king? And let me put another twist on this. If King Herod wasn't so in fear of the masses that just came in, he would have just beheaded the one dude with the camel right there. I mean, when you walk into a king's palace and he says, you go and report back to me and automatically makes you a messenger for him, I mean, there's something to be said. So my question to you this morning, as a declaration gift of your faith, what do you have within you that's gold? What do you have within you that is truly gold in your heart? Maybe it is the gift of worship. Maybe it is the gift of teaching. Maybe it is the gift of hospitality. Maybe it is the gift of service. Maybe it is the gift of, of, of just being passionate and in love with Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever is gold in your life, it's time that you start making a declaration with that gift. And watch what God begins to do because the gift opens the way for the giver and brings him into the presence of him who is great. I want to encourage you with that this morning. That when you bring your gift. When you bring what's gold in your life. The very best that you have before 
the feet of Jesus, Jesus begins to say, come, I want to introduce you to my Father. And I want to bring you into his presence. And it's even better stated in the, in the New Testament. It says, approach the throne of grace with boldness. But many of us approach it with whining and crying and anger at God about something that didn't go our way because our car broke down rather than offering a gift. What is gold in your life that you can offer this morning? The next thing that they brought was they brought gold and then they brought frankincense. And the Grinch said this in the movie, what happened then? Well, in Whoville they say, the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. The Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. When you begin to offer your gift the very best that you have, your heart's going to be transformed. Your heart's going to truly begin to be changed. But the next thing that they offered was a unique gift. It was the gift of frankincense. The gift of frankincense is a directional gift where the gift of gold is a declaration gift declaring he is king, son of God. The gift of frankincense is a directional gift. It's a directional gift, and here's why. The gift of frankincense is somewhat unusual. Frankincense is a highly valued commodity and somewhat rare. Jewish people had a common use for frankincense that directly connected them to the worship of God. In the temple, the Jews prayed before the altar of incense, which was kept burning 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The substance that burned on the altar was frankincense. When frankincense is burned on the altar, it gives a sweet smell and white smoke begins to go up before the heavens. When they brought him the gift of frankincense, they were saying, you are not just king, you are the son of God, you are the divine, you are deity, worthy to be worshipped, just like the Old Testament said, here is the frankincense offered on the altar that is bringing you worship before the king. The next gift they brought was not just declaring he was king, but it was directional of the worship of the king. And when they would worship, frankincense was always a symbol of worship in the Old Testament. And listen, it is so important in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle that, that, that Moses built, when they brought it, listen to what uh, Exodus 30 verse 7 says. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Morning, every morning when he dresses the lamp, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps, at twilight he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. And you shall not offer unauthorized incense on it or burn an offering or a grain offering. And you shall not pour a drink offering on it. This was such an important lamp that kept burning because it represented worship. And frankincense is pure worship before God. They brought this to Jesus at his birth, saying, we understand who you are, and you are worthy to be worshipped. Here's our directional gift of worship. Paul said it very similar to this in Romans chapter 12, and he said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, break off the perceptions, then you will know what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. See, the amazing thing is this, is when you give him worship, true worship, it is the frankincense that goes before him. The sweet-smelling aroma that comes and is pleasing to the Father. Where God then at that point would hear from heaven 
and he would speak to the nation of Israel. But here's the problem. Many of us, when we come to worship, <clears throat> many of us, when we come to worship, sometimes we come to worship and we bring our baggage. Okay, if you got to get stuff right at the altar, get it right. But don't call that worship. Okay, that's called getting it right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, in the Old Testament, too, when they had something wrong, they could run to the, 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 the altar and grab hold of the horns, and they couldn't even be tried for murder at that point. They would have to wait. So it is a place of rescuing. It is a place to lay your baggage. It is a place to be set free. It is a place to experience the power of God. But don't call it when God does something for you, your worship to him, because it's not. In this, the Bible says you, when you're at a place where, you're get, where you've gotten right with God and all your baggage is gone, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing and acceptable unto God. This is your spiritual act of frankincense, of worship. And get this, many of the, the most commonly asked question we get asked in the ministry is this. You can ask any of our elders, you can ask any of our ministers. It's, Pastor, how do I know what God's perfect will is for my life? How do I know what his perfect will is for my life? And our answer is always this. When you begin to worship, you'll know the will of God, his good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. See, you just thought worship was about singing songs, and worship is not about singing songs. Worship is about giving your best, your frankincense that goes up before God, and he smells, smells it as a sweet aroma, and then he begins to speak on behalf of your life. That's why we put such an emphasis on worship here. That's why when I talk to the worship team, it's all I want is the anointing. I want heaven touching earth. I want our worship going up so pure like frankincense that God smells it, begins to breathe it, and shows up with a visible visitation where transformation happens and lives get changed because that's what happens when you offer frankincense. And so when they brought the gift of gold, it was a declaration gift declaring he was king. When they brought the gift of frankincense, it was a directional gift that went up before the Father, declaring, Christ, you are the one, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to be worshipped. And the last gift is the gift of myrrh. And the Grinch said this, and then the true meaning of Christmas came through, and he found the strength of ten Grinches plus two. There's a supernatural strength that comes from the Father when we offer the gift of gold, the gift of frankincense. But here's the key one, the gift of myrrh. It was a gift, literally a prophetic gift. It was a gift that announced before even everything was released and people knew what was going on. It was a gift that was already announcing why he came. And he came to die. It was a gift that was very unusual because, see, the gift of myrrh is one of the oddest gifts of all. Myrrh is extremely valuable and had a number of uses. One was to perfume. Sometimes myrrh would be used in the homes of wealthy people to create a pleasant fragrance, but was normally reserved for special instances. The major use for myrrh was in burials, where they would get the white cloth of the people, and they would cover it in myrrh and aloes, and they would wrap a body in it, and because it's a perfume smell, it would keep the stench of death bound up in that. And so they brought him the gift of myrrh. And when they brought him the gift of myrrh, it reminds you of what John chapter 19 says. And it says, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus. And man, there's a lot of good stuff on Joseph of Arimathea. Y'all got to go to Israel and look at that stuff. 
and it says, he was a disciple of Jesus, <laughs> but secretly for fear of the Jews, he asked Pilate that he might take the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away the body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds worth in weight. And so they took the body of Jesus, bound him in linen cloths with spices, as is the burial custom for the Jews. So when the wise men came and they brought a declarational gift of the king, they brought a directional gift of worship for the Son of God, the Messiah, they also brought a prophetic gift, the gift of myrrh that said, there is a time coming when he is the Lamb of God and he will take away the sin of the world. And they presented this gift. And I'm sure when Mary and Joseph gift because it was used for, for other things rather than burial. They were overly elated with it, but not until the years had gone by and the, the death even had occurred. And several years later, I, I wonder if Mary remembered this gift of myrrh. And as the, the wise men came and knelt down and brought it to them, did she remember at that point that it wasn't just about a declaration and a direction, but it was about a prophecy that took place in Genesis chapter number 3 that God was using when he announced it to her. And then when Jesus Christ was born and lived a perfect life and filled with the Holy Spirit when he was baptized and then died and took away the sin of the world, did she truly know the fullness of when they laid myrrh at her feet? What it was going to be? But here's the great thing. The great thing about this gift of myrrh, even myrrh, the greatest gift of all, didn't matter how tight they wrapped him, death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. Hell couldn't stop him. And Jesus rose again from the dead. And he is alive forevermore today. And so we celebrate Christmas, the anointed one, and his anointing. Because I love this verse in Romans chapter 8. And I'll paraphrase it here. It's the same power that raised Jesus again from the grave that lives and dwells on the inside of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, which enables us to bring a directional gift, a declaration gift, and even prophetic gifts to the king. Because listen... The, the, the thing we just read about the movie, it said the, he had the power of 10 Grinches plus 2. We don't just have the power of 10 plus 2. We have the power of all of heaven, of God himself, manifested in our lives. And can I tell you, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what Christmas is for. That's why we came. That's why we celebrate. And it does us no good as the body of Christ. To have the very same that raised Jesus from the grave dwelling in us. And us sit here and offer unauthorized incense. And us sit here and give gifts that do not declare his kingship and his messiahship. And we take for granted the prophetic gift of myrrh that they brought him. Because, oh, the reason he died is so you could live. <laughs> and I do love that song, Because He Lives. <laughs> I can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. Come on now. And I know he holds the future. Ooh. I love Christmas. And all these preachers out there that, that, that come to me say, I just struggle getting a Christmas message together. I look at them and I say, oh, your heart's got to grow three sizes today. <laughs> your heart's got to grow three sizes. I don't expect the lost world to understand why I celebrate it. 
I don't expect a society who's forsaken God and turned his back on him to understand why I celebrate it. But what I do expect is when I get in a group of believers like this and we start understanding the anointing and the directional gift and the declaration gift and the prophetic gift, we get to celebrate because God was thinking of us when he sent kings and wise men to the feet of Jesus for us to experience the fullness of him. Ooh, I praise God for them wise men. You wonder why they're called wise. <laughs> it ain't because they studied stars. It's because they knew God. They knew his voice. And when God said go, they started walking on a two-year journey. And when they found the place where the star had stopped, they offered their gifts of gold. What are you going to give him this morning? Of frankincense. What direction are you headed this morning? And of myrrh, remember that he died for you so you can live forevermore. And the same power that raised him from the grave dwells in us. And so now when I say Merry Christmas to you, you understand where I'm coming from. 